I V M. The Inheritors Podcast Series by Bloomberg Quint. I am Sonu Bhasin, and you are listening to The Inheritors, a podcast series that covers all aspects of family businesses. Today, I am in conversation with Sanjay Chakrabarti, the founding partner of Tag Eight. Sanjay worked with Arthur Anderson and EY for almost twenty years before he was bitten by the entrepreneurial bug. He started Tag Eight with a partner who had been his colleague at EY. Tag Eight was a new concept, and Sanjay was a new entrepreneur. So, how did he make it work? Let us go right across to Mumbai and catch Sanjay and hear it from him directly. Hi, Sanjay. Welcome to the podcast series, and it's a pleasure to speak with you on the podcast. Thank you, Sonu. It's it's my privilege to be uh, part of this uh, podcast. Uh, thank you for having me as a guest. No, so you know you run a very interesting business, and I am sure that the conversation is going to be interesting. So before I talk about the business, what I do want to ask you is that uh, what made you decide in the middle of your you know rocking professional career that you wanted to give up the security of a good job? With a big brand and walk into these uncharted territories. Right. Uh, well, uh, Sonu, let me uh, you know maybe start on a lighter note. Huh. My wife uh, is still convinced that it's midlife flight crisis that has uh, resulted in the decision. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just hope that there, there is more to it. No, on a, on a serious note, uh, you know. Uh, so I. I Practically spent almost two decades uh, in the consulting uh, side. I started uh, as a uh, tax professional. Uh, at some point of time, I moved to uh, New York as part of the Sunyam team, and I led the India desk there. And at that point of time, really, uh, the horizon suddenly broadened a lot. And thankfully, I was there between 2006 and 8, wherein you know. Nothing uh, vis-a-vis the world economy and especially vis-a-vis India uh, was going wrong. So you know everything that we were doing was uh, exceptionally good. So suddenly I had a very broad perspective of uh, what was happening around me. And when I came back uh, into the uh, consulting practice in India as a partner in 2008, uh, I got this great opportunity to move into a much wider role. Uh, which actually one was setting up the clean tech practice uh, for the uh, for EY in India, which was really renewable energy water waste management. I also got the opportunity to work uh, back uh, with the creating the entire strategy, uh, whether it's marketing, business development, account management for EY India. I worked back uh, with the leadership team in EY India to build it. So suddenly, from a tax professional, you know, the break in uh, US uh, got me into a much wider horizon. And then when I came back, the very fact that I was exposed uh, to a wider space gave me that opportunity. So that was really great. Uh, you know, again, an eye opener, and I spent uh, six years doing that. Uh, but frankly, there's always been that niggling desire in me. Uh, even when I was frankly a tax uh, professional, uh, to really explore the other side uh, and see 
that uh, the you know you, as a consultant you spend this whole time uh, advising people and you know at times also thinking that you know these are such uh, advices uh, that are not getting implemented properly and if implemented properly it would be a, a paradigm shift so i always wanted to challenge myself and see that whether i could start all over again and uh, the advice that i so called was giving to people i could use it for myself and get something done yeah no so uh, you do talk about your consulting career but consultants at the end of the day are advisors and uh, the uncharitable view is also that is that they are armchair advisors but an entrepreneur is really an executor and these are two completely different mindsets so from a consulting advising role uh, to a pure execution role what were some of the changes that you had to make within yourself I, I think you uh, said it. Uh, though I would not say that uh, consultants are necessarily, you know, uh, armchair role because yes, uh, the armchair the, advisors. <laughs> yes, no, but you know, off late uh, and for good reasons. Clients, uh, when even when you know, I was in the EY side, the last uh, maybe four five years, specifically my role as the renewable energy head. Uh, I really got a uh, lot of time in uh, talking to uh, several uh, people who were starting off their uh, journeys and uh, really the effort was working back with them to see that they are successful and and that's where it gave me a vantage point of actually seeing someone you know in the past before that I I pretty much had the exposure to really large corporates and uh, you know it's it's been there forever and frankly whether uh you know uh, i advised them or whoever advised them or whether their team changed or not they were just you know someone with a, a entity that would always grow and you know do well and that kind of stuff so we were just adding on and contributing definitely hopefully you know uh, in a reasonable way but it still had a like uh, no i wouldn't say negligible but you know relatively a much lower impact but in the last 6 uh, years from the time i came back became a partner and you know started working on the renewable energy side it gave me an opportunity to deal with entrepreneurs who were really starting up and i just loved that whole idea of uh, you know putting together something from the scratch that doesn't exist and uh, you know build value over it so uh, that's where that, that was i guess the first uh, uh, big piece that gave me a direct uh, view of how something like that is done and then uh, i must also add here that uh, i my partner is also from uh, evi and uh, uh, he and i started talking about uh, entrepreneurship uh, way back in uh, 2010 i would say and uh, the fact that we really really got along and we just complemented uh, each other skill sets and uh, you know finding the right partner always having the desire to uh, you know do something entrepreneurial uh, and we then you know bumped into an idea which we really really loved so you know that's kind of put things uh, in play for us uh, but coming back in terms of the mindset uh, shifts that you need is something that you already said you know it is uh, now i can I, i must admit that it is much easier to stand uh, you know outside the ring and talk about uh, what needs to be done and how i think i appreciate it much more now 
uh, when I look back and see that uh, you know, a lot of the things seem very simple from outside, but when you start executing it one by one, uh, it's another ball game altogether. So I, I think that mindset shift uh, clearly, uh, you know, in the last four years, hopefully has seeped into me. I'm sure it has, considering the way that your target uh, company is doing, but we'll just come to that in a bit. But, you know, addressing the audience, uh, or some of them who may be contemplating giving up a good professional job and uh, uh, turning into an entrepreneur, uh, you know, some of my conversations with them have led me to believe that there's a whole lot of fear uh, and a fear of a host of things. Uh, we give up a job, what's going to happen? You know, there's no safety. We don't have any uh, surety that our business is going to do well. So, how, you know, can you share with the audience some of the fears that you had internally and how did you address them? Uh, so, no, uh, frankly, I don't know, you know, in terms of my mindset, uh, I guess I was wanting to uh, be an entrepreneur for far too long. So even, you know, my conversations with uh, Alok started in 2010 and we finally you know, started, our, our company got incorporated in, uh, Jan on January 14, 2015. So it, it took me also a lot of time to really, uh, uh, give up the idea of, of the, uh, uh, not having a, a paycheck. And, uh, as you know, you know, as, as you grow in the consulting world, it's a reasonable amount to get every, every, uh, month. I would love to have that kind of a certainty in my business when, you know, every month that kind of a money is, uh, you know, getting into the business. And also uh, the perks. And also the perks. I mean, the salary is just one component of your professional compensation. It's also the perks that uh, most people find uh, difficult to, uh, or the lack of perks uh, that most people find difficult to adjust to. I think all of uh, those are there. I think one of the suggestions or, or you know, guidance that I got uh, early on uh, when I was even contemplating, uh, you know, getting into the venture uh, was from someone who said that, uh, listen, uh, just ensure that uh, when you take the plunge into entrepreneurship, the standard of living that you will be able to, uh, to maintain with, with whatever are your savings should be more than the standard of living that you were having when you were working. Right. Because that person's logic was that, you know, uh, you are going in from a uh, zone which pretty much is, is a stable 24-hour period to a zone wherein at least... 12 hours is going to be volatile. That, that's, you know, I'm just assuming a, a 12 hour work day at, at the minimum. You know, it is going to be a 12 hour a volatile work day. So you don't want to introduce and do things which uh, then also impact your uh, domestic quotient. So the, I, I thought that as a advice uh, really, you know, to me, uh, gave me that comfort level because uh, thankfully so, you know, we were in a venture and uh, with 20 years of, uh, you know, working experience and uh, the, the financial uh, security that I had, I, I was sure that, you know, from a overall lifestyle perspective, uh, nothing really changed. So, you know, I could have 12 hours of my day was identical to what it was when I was in EY and uh, 
Yeah, it was really exciting to see the volatility in the 12 hour of work and, and that's what was really one of the reasons that I wanted to get into that field. So it, it worked well uh, with that uh, advice really helped me. Right. Um, and so, you know, from uh, from deciding that you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you were lucky that you had a partner, you found a partner within your uh, workplace. Talking about two people getting into a business, which is anyway a challenging environment, and then to have two people in the business, how do you handle the challenges of uh, two people? How do you how do you look at managing conflict? How do you decide who does what? How do you how do you solve these these you know little things that if are not addressed can blow up into major major issues? Right, right. You know, I have uh, I, I strongly believe that uh, it, it's easier to find someone to get married to. I think it's much more complex to find someone uh, just right uh, for you when it comes to business. I think we need to speak uh, to your wife as well about this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, coincidentally, my wife and I used to, uh, you know, we were in Alta Anderson together. So that's another story I'm sure we we, will talk about it someday. But but really, uh, I I think one uh, piece... uh, that worked well for us is we really have, uh, you know, uh, very different skill sets which complement each other. So, uh, uh, Alok Seth, who's my partner, uh, he is, even from a qualification standpoint, he is an engineer MBA while I'm a charter accountant. And uh, thereafter, we, uh, you know, we have never really discussed uh, even before the business or at, at the time of starting off saying that, you know, this is going to be his his role and this is going to be my role and this is how we'll play it and, you know, uh, his decision on this will be final and my side of this will be final. So we never really sat down and uh, pretty much uh, put things down saying or talked about it in detail to say who takes the lead where. Uh, it just, you know, it almost happened in an unsaid manner. We... Uh, pretty much got together in a way, I think subconsciously, because we knew each other's strengths. Uh, and uh, we, because, you know, if, if I look at it, say, from Alok's perspective, just given his strengths, uh, I pretty much respect it in a manner that if he's taking a call, and even if I have, you know, slight uh, discomfort on that call, I would give him my views, but I know that that's his strength point. Vis-a-vis uh, me, he's much better at that subject. And, you know, that's something that's really worked well for us because we know exactly why we got together. You know, that was the reason that uh, uh, because we had uh, uh, very different skill sets which complement each other. Uh, the other thing I feel, uh, you know, that works well is that uh, I strongly believe that it, uh, for a partnership to work, each partner should believe that the other partner is contributing more to the business. Yes, that's a good point. So once that happens, you kind of see him and say that, okay, you know what, this, this guy is great. And, you know, without him, uh, you know, I, I don't think we would, we would even have half our business. And which I genuinely feel uh, vis-a-vis Alok. You know, I, I genuinely feel that, uh, I, I frankly... Uh, not sure that whether even I would have got into the entrepreneurial venture without having such a strong, uh, you know, professional backing me uh, and, you know, 
Hopefully he feels the same. I, I have never talked just with him. Uh, but yeah, clearly, you know, I think that's something that is very essential in a uh, partnership to be healthy and strong. Right. So you had your desire to be an entrepreneur. Then you found yourself a partner as well. How did you decide on the business that you wanted to be in? So we, uh, right from 2010, as I said, you know, and I'm mentioning the year uh, too often because that's etched in my uh, memory. We used to uh, constantly, you know, uh, Alok and I would work on, uh, we had several common clients. So we used to spend a lot of time together traveling to the client and back. And uh, we would keep, and Alok is someone who, you know, used to actually advise uh, various uh, large uh, corporates uh, on what are the new businesses they could explore. He would also evaluate evaluate new businesses that uh, they would want to kind of explore and, you know, make business plans for them and basically look at the viability of getting into that option, you know, getting a ROI and all those kind of things. So, uh, Alok had a pretty much good hand of what is happening in the sphere and, you know, what else, uh, what are the opportunities. Now, as far as uh, this idea is concerned uh, of Tagate, which is the Global Lost and Found Recovery Services, uh, really stemmed from uh, Alok. So he had uh, thankfully come across uh, this concept. He thought that, you know, this, this is a time in India. Uh, we, we could really uh, kind of uh, grow it. We're looking for something that is not uh, significantly capital intensive. At the same time, it's not, uh, it, it's very innovative uh, yet simple. It is something that uh, has a significant scale and definitely it's something that, you know, is not only India-specific but can be rolled out uh, across the borders. So, uh, uh, those are some of the basic parameters, you know. I may be now sounding again like a consultant, but yeah, I think we, when we looked at, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the ideas and then we looked at several ideas that uh, could potentially work, we would constantly evaluate them. Uh, but I think we took a reasonably consultant-like approach saying that, uh, you know, this is what we want to go with. How aware do you think you are of your laws and rights? Do you look up to laws when you are caught up in situations? Do you know what your rights are when you are stuck somewhere bad? Well, here's a show that can help you move an inch closer to being aware of what your rights are. Tune into Know Your Kanoon with me, Amar Rana. This is a podcast meant to answer all your law-related queries. Catch Know Your Kanoon every week on the IVM website or the app or anywhere you get your podcast from. So normally it is people who have a definite business idea that they decide that we need to do something about it. But I guess being a consultant, you took the completely opposite route that you said we want to be entrepreneurs and now let us explore the market and see which is the area that we want to be in and then hone on to the business. So this is this is actually quite contra to uh, a lot of the others that I have uh, heard about entrepreneurship. But then... So no, they say that, uh, you know, uh, you uh, fortunately or unfortunately can't... Uh, get a consultant out of you once you've done it over a decade. So, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that, that's what has stuck with us too. Yeah. So, just talk us through a little about TAGATE, which you say is a global recovery uh, uh, service. 
so how does it how does it work uh, why did you eventually decide to get into it so just talk us through more about uh, tagit sure so uh, what we realized uh, specifically in india uh, there is a complete lack of uh, infrastructure as far as lost and found is concerned and when you travel anywhere abroad you know you'll have various uh, facilities uh, government departments which really help you in getting the things back what we realized that people lose valuables and that that's something that's practically a gospel truth you know while uh, people may claim that they've never lost anything in their life if they really sit down for uh, a while maybe nothing extremely valuable which would really hurt them but at some point time of some point of time or the other maybe you've even got it back but you know there have been instances that uh, the person has lost something or definitely they know several people who have lost stuff so the uh, problem statement was apparent that you kind of uh, lose stuff and uh, the infrastructure in india pretty much is not geared uh, up and also there is some sort of a perception issue in india saying that you know once you lose your stuff you never get it back and and you know there, there are various connotations around it but what we strongly believed is that there were major reasons why a valuable doesn't get back to the owner and some of them were like uh, really it was difficult to find out who the owner is which is a very basic issue even now when you you know not only through tagate but even outside tagate you see people actually uh, spend more than 2 3 days of their own work from internet facebook various channels to finally find out who the owner is of that particular document or uh, bag or whichever case so what we see is that the uh, identity of the owner second is the whole reverse logistics of taking that found item by the finder and giving it to the owner uh, third is that really there is no appreciation there is no channel to really get that there is a risk also associated when you want to return something back to the owner say for example you find someone's wallet and uh, you want to return it at the back of Uh, people's mind we we come across several uh, people especially lot of the guys in the uh, uh, local transportation segment uh, government transportation segment they say that you know we are happy to return uh, but what stops us from returning is that if something is found missing in that uh, particular item then they could be a finger pointing at us so we rather we let it go i mean just to give an example of some statistics uh, just the airports around india and it's a reported number in the parliament uh, the value of the auctioned item is over 100 crores from the lost and found department so when in the airports uh, uh, suppose i lose something it goes into the lost and found department and if i don't claim it uh, the government actually auctions it off yes 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 that gets auctioned out uh, the same happens with uh, the railways you know the the one uh, data point that we have is from mumbai churchgate station which is one of our uh, big stations here uh, every day around 150 products are reported found and only two or three are claimed so effectively they keep you know adding 150 stuff and they are they, they for them it's quite an effort because you know you need to then uh, 
make a book entry you need to store it you know the space available is limited and then you you know uh, it becomes as per the law it becomes the government property after the lapse of uh, a certain period of time it's usually 6 months or a year uh, and only then can you option it out so till that time actually technically someone can go back and claim it so you i walked into some of those lost and found departments uh, and seen uh, you know you know actually you could go back and <laughs> take any you know you you see the number of phones laptops bags it, it's just amazing uh, how many of those items uh, which only with a little bit of help uh, could have been back with the owner very very easily yeah it's it's actually fascinating to uh, hear from you that people who lose uh, items like uh, phones and laptops don't even come back looking for them so uh, how does then tag it help them find uh, their uh, uh, you know the lost properties we have two now we have you know various uh, product ranges uh, the uh, basic products that we have which we feel uh, are, are the most effective even now is that we have a uh, tag that is attached on uh, each of these so we have a passport case on which uh, there is a tag behind uh, which uh, has a very simple message saying return for reward and there are six ways in which the finder can connect with us so the way this product works is that once you assume you got a passport case from us you there is a unique owner id number on that case you register that owner id number with us so that we know that that passport belongs to you now say you travel to amsterdam you know while while transiting and you lose your passport somewhere the finder getting it has over six ways to connect with us we run a 24 by 7 call center the moment we get that call the rest of the responsibility of returning your passport is on us we have a reverse logistics tie up with dhl fedex bluedart aramex our logistics partner goes to the finder we reward the finder from our side so there's a if it's outside india there's a $50 amazon gift card uh, there is a recognition certificate social media recognition in addition the owner can directly uh, reward the finder uh, so the entire responsibility once the finder calls to be the entire leg is with us the owner only bears the concessional rate as actual of whatever is the logistics cost of getting say the passport back to him right and then similarly and similarly you know we we have a backpack we have a key tag we have other starter kit so those are the passive pieces that we have and then we have various uh, features added to it like a passport we have a Uh, you know the case itself protects you uh, from some of passport being damaged it has a passport expiry alert and you know while we have a 90% recovery rate on passport if you lose it and we don't get it back for you we reimburse actually the entire cost of getting a new passport under that card so you know that that's that's uh, uh, the overall offering in case of a passport while in case of a bag we tied up with a geneva based company called sita uh, SITA and SITA is the global leader in baggage tracking and handling uh, they are something called the world tracer code which is basically the barcode that gets stuck on your bags or on your uh, backpack uh, while you're uh, traveling by air and, and you know as per SITA's data only uh, practically 24% of the uh, reason uh, when you uh, your when your bag is misplaced is on account of something wrong with the backpack 
So essentially by using a tagged back tag, you have a permanent Sita wall tracer port in your bag and Sita manages over 2800 uh, airports across the world. So effectively you lose your bag at any of these airports, uh, we should be able to get it back to you. Great. So it seems that, you know, as good consultants, you thought through the business plan. Uh, but as you did start uh, executing it, what were some of the uh, challenges that kind of hit you from behind? Something that in spite of your, you know, your your planning, uh, you did not actually think of it. Oh, those, those uh, you know, I could take maybe a week <laughs> just talking about it. So, uh, you know, frankly, uh, when uh, we uh, started the venture, I, I remember Jan 1, 2015, we thought that we had, you know, being good consultants, we figured it out. Uh, and, uh, you know, it would really work. Uh, it would be like a clockwork working through the plan that we had put together and we had a reasonable legal plan that we had worked on. Uh, it so happened that I think uh, within a month's time we discovered that uh, the real world is very different and uh, maybe you know our uh, preparedness level while we thought we were there uh, was like at 50%. Right. Right. So it, was a, it, it was a big uh, you know wake up call uh, and, uh, you know, our aspirations were to start uh, commercial operations in uh, three months' time. So, you know, we had thought that uh, April 1, which is the financial year, uh, start of the financial year, that's when we kind of uh, get going and, you know, start uh, uh, making, at least generating some revenue. Uh, it really took us uh, almost... Uh, I think it was November, uh, if I remember right, either it was mid-October or November, was the first time we opened up stuff for friends and families and we started really, uh, you know, generating some revenue uh, and, and getting uh, feedback on what we were doing. Yeah, so maybe, uh, you know, not so much as for budding entrepreneurs out there, but for uh, consultants, I think the message is loud and clear. Think through before you advise, because the real world is very different from uh, the consultant's world, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The other thing is, you know, uh, finally... Um, then, yeah, and, and that's again, you know, a lot of people I've, I've spoken to, uh, uh, they basically, and that's what we tried for a while, that, uh, you know, uh, while we had uh, uh, kind of uh, resigned uh, in, I think, in May is when I kind of put in my paper. And uh, EY was really great because they, they gave me, you know, anyway, they usually, uh, you know, for a partner to kind of move out of the world, uh, it takes a long time. But I was given that freedom saying that, hey, listen, you know, you will take time to also set up your stuff. You can use uh, the office premise. So I, I was allowed to kind of, uh, you know, uh, do stuff so long as it doesn't hamper the EY work. Uh, and including have, have meetings, client, uh, you know, target meetings in the EY office. So I had got all that flexibility, but still, you know, doing two things at the same time is never the same as, you know, really doing nothing but thinking about your business. And I feel that at the end of the day, uh, the clock really starts ticking the time that you're doing nothing else but your business. 
this whole idea of saying that listen you know what i will uh, keep working and especially you know a lot of the consultants have that thing that you know on the side i will start a business and i will wait for the business to grow and once the business has grown uh, you know that's when i will kind of uh, resign and that's when i will kind of move into that role so i my experience has been that uh, it's uh, you know uh, all or nothing game really uh, i mean that whole concept uh, I, i'm sure there there will be uh, uh, people who can manage uh, to do otherwise uh, but uh, by and large uh, the, there is a good uh, you know uh, according to me i would strongly advise people based just purely from my experience that if you really want to Uh, take the plunge take it completely and you know have have a date and just focus on your business yeah so there's no part time entrepreneurship i mean it's either full in there or not at all so i think that absolutely yeah so uh, before i end you know just on a lighter note that with two consultants running their business owning and running the business uh, do you really now employ consultants to come and give you advice <laughs> we have the money that's that's one of our uh, milestones that we could uh, hire consultants uh, who kind of uh, would would be you know advising us uh, but frankly we we speak to lot of people and get advice we are very very open to getting advice i mean you should know that for a fact because you know uh, practically every quarter i pick your brains and we are trying to get ideas and some of them uh, you know are are yet not executed i must admit but some of them have really really helped us you know you know some of the uh, discussions have really uh, you know uh, got us significant uh, mileage uh, and so i i wouldn't say that uh, we are hiring uh, you know consultants and you know at some point of time uh, we will definitely uh, hopefully the time will come that we will be able to afford that uh, but thankfully the consulting network has given us uh, uh the ability and and we have uh, you know friends like you we have a, a mentor uh, that's uh, you know again our uh, he, he was someone i reported to in uh, in ey sunil chandiramani so we actually have uh, in a way if i say we go to a consultant every month and uh, you know we have reviews through him uh, because that really helps us to ensure that uh, you know there's someone else Who is talking to us on a constant basis and and helping us, uh, you know, uh, build those things, uh, really cover those gaps. Yeah, I think you know, talking of consultants and again not trivializing it, I think there is a. I do believe actually that there is a whole lot of uh, uh, knowledge which is available so long as the people who want it just open themselves up. to uh you know uh wanting it uh, sometimes it is just a closed mind that thinks that you know i know it or i have started the business or i have run this business for so long there is you know what is it that somebody else can tell me but uh, you know successful entrepreneurs that i have spoken with always say that they have an open mind and they don't really go to structured consultants but just having conversations uh they do say that some of the best uh, ideas have come through these uh, uh, unstructured conversations so uh, so yes so to a consultant uh, having unstructured conversations is good but uh, sanjay thank you so much for taking time out and speaking to us it's been a really interesting conversation and uh, all the best to you 
Thank you so much, Sonu. As I said, it's my pleasure to be part of this. The Inheritors podcast series by Bloomberg Quint. Hi, my name is Anupam Gupta. I'm B50 on Twitter. I am the host of Pesa Pesa, a show that talks money. On my show, I speak to experts from every field of money and finance, from stock markets, equities, debt funds, credit cards, life insurance, every possible area of money and finance that you can think of. We even did an episode on cryptocurrency. I've got fantastic guests from mutual funds to personal finance experts everywhere. Robo advisory startups, just name it, we've got it. At Pesa Pesa, we help you make smart decisions about money. You work hard for money. Now make your money work hard for you. New episodes out every Monday and you can listen to my show on the IVM podcast app or any other podcasting app that you have. Pesa Vesa is brought to you by Paytm Money.